What up, everybody? Welcome to the State of Wild, episode 13, a regular podcast YouTube video web series thing. As usual, we've got Corbett joining us tonight. Corbett, how are you, friend? Hey, Meowth. I'm doing very well. How are you today? Doing pretty well. Uh, it's like one of the highlights of my weekend, so I'm really excited to record. Um, but the rest of you guys, you guys know the drill by now. Uh, we're planning on doing three things during today's podcast. First of all, we're going to be talking about the State of the Wild metagame. So what's dominating, how to beat it, and any decks that might be flying underneath the radar. Second off, we're going to be talking about any wild news, controversial topics, or maybe the lack thereof. And last but not least, we're going to be talking about our decks of the week. All right. But before we get started, just a reminder to leave a like, comment, and subscribe if you guys enjoy content like this. It's free and it supports us a lot. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, let's get started. Alright, so for the State of the Wild metagame, like we predicted last week, we've kind of seen a rise in the amount of Reno Priest. Uh, and as a result, we've seen a sort of settling of the metagame post-Dark Lair nerf. So... It's much less experimentation, uh, much less experimental rather than it was last week when we recorded. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, alongside Reno Priest, we've seen a lot of discard warlocks, quest mages, jade druids, and odd rogues kind of rise to the top of the metagame, at least on the America server. Um, and this is kind of sort of what we expected. Uh, and so, nothing too crazy. Uh, so, my first question to you, Corbett, is. It's been a week and a half. Do you think the metagame is solved already? <laughs> Do you think that this is what should be seeing play? for the rest of Skullamance Academy? Uh, no, no, I don't think it's solved. Um, I think that Reno Priest, like we said, will still be the most, uh, you know, sort of influential dominant deck. I think Discard Warlock is another one that's very much here to stay. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's very much solved. I think that there is kind of always something sort of hidden and different stuff that can rise up, whether it's like something like LPG Mage previously um, was yeah. a deck that saw very little play for a long time until all of a sudden it was like, hey, this deck is actually really, really good. Um, so that was like a recent yeah. example. Um, so yeah, these things always, always like kind of pop up and yeah, who knows, right? Yeah, so I feel like while the meta is still experimentation, experimental, I should say, we've seen a lot of people playing the same few decks or lists in the metagame. And I don't, I don't know if you would agree with this, but uh, it feels like a lot of a lot of people are net decking like the same person, and there's maybe that's contributing to the feel of not many people playing new lists. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, the thing in Wild, right, is that there's a very small number of people that can have a sort of a disproportionate influence on the meta um now sometimes that can be just someone that hit rank one they get net decked on twitter like that kind of stuff happens um they can also be people that happen to like tweet out a certain list and all of a sudden you see it on hs replay uh very very quickly um so a lot of the thing in wild is because it's so disproportionate in terms of um like who is net like who is posting lists and like how much influence they have it kind of puts a lot of weight on what they say and what they tweet out and stuff like that um so if someone like if one of the people that tends to have a greater influence uh doesn't just post about a list all of a sudden it doesn't see that much play whereas if they decide for whatever reason to post this then it'll see an uptick um this is very different to standard right where in standard there's so much information there's like so many players and so much like twitter there's so many streams um, and in wilds, it's a little bit different. So it'll be interesting to see um, whether there are these kind of like hidden gems and stuff uh, and how those are unearthed and whether we can really discover some cool stuff moving forward. Yeah, I feel like... So what that means, you think, is there's a lot more experimentation, like room for experimentation, at least in wild, beyond the surface yeah. of, you know, what beats Reno Priest. Uh, and yeah, it's really hard to do because deck building is hard. 
and there's a really high bar i think set when it comes to wild where like the power level and the synergies available in the format you have to meet this kind of like certain threshold to be competitive um mm-hmm. and, and i think a lot of that also plays into what metagames are present right so like in the previous metagame when there was just dark Lair warlock and arena priest there wasn't really much wiggle room when it came to what yeah. you could play in the metagame but i feel like even with Reno Priest being, I feel, super dominant, I feel like there's still a lot more, you know, room for experimentation. <laughs> um, and, like, every week we talk about our off-meta decks of the week, but I feel like calling them off-meta really isn't fair to them. It's just, like, our not-so-popular friends, you know, playing these decks. <laughs> um, because yeah. I feel like these decks are ones that are potentially competitive, but just because somebody like you or Hijo didn't tweet them out, they're not seeing a ton of play. Right, and I I know you don't want me to say this, but like people like you have a huge influence on the metagame, right? Because you're a really good player and you're pretty active on Twitter, and so people net deck mm-hmm. your list whether you like it or not. And so mm-hmm. if you're only posting like one list a week, I guess it's like that's the list we're going to be seeing a ton of um, for that next week, you know, whether it's like supposed to be seeing play or not. Yeah, um, like I said, it, it sometimes it doesn't have to be an individual. It always has the same effect. Like, uh, for example, Anura like basically seemed to single-handedly push Odd Shaman, which yeah. does actually look quite solid, like quite competitive. Um, I know it's kind of a meme, like Odd Shaman, but no, it, it looks pretty decent. It looks and like a good as, like, deck. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like as one individual, one individual person, they kind of like pushed this idea and they got other people to try it and they've kind of refined it and it's popped up a lot more. Yeah. Um, and not saying that Anura like invented it, but it does speak to how much influence sort of one archetype, uh, how much how much influence one person can have on an archetype and whether like people pick it up so yeah like i said a lot of time in wild it's a little bit disproportionate so it will be interesting to see um you know like what what people have missed basically what i've missed what other people uh have missed and whether there are kind of these cool archetypes um that can be competitive moving forward even if they aren't the absolute best decks in the entire format yeah so basically what we're saying is feel free to keep experimenting right even if you're seeing a ton of (laughs) yeah priest and quest mage like there's still stuff out there Right? Wild has never solved. It's probably never going to be solved with like the player base that we have. Right? There, there's always going to be a best deck, but that doesn't mean there's not room for more, you know, or new competitive decks that you can climb mm-hmm. the ladder with. Um, and so we've talked a little bit about what we're seeing in the metagame. Um, and so I'm just going to ask you the question: of, Like, how do you how do you feel about the metagame? What are, what are your thoughts and feelings? I feel a lot better, I think, about this metagame than I did, and um, maybe that's because of how. We just came off like Dark Lair, which was really not that fun for me yeah. um, as, as a whole. So like the direct contrast from just going back a couple of weeks feels really refreshing. Mm. Um, so yeah, overall, like, I kind of like a lot of the decks that are seeing play a little bit more. Um, on the whole, I'm not super thrilled about Highlander. You know, it's a personal gripe I tend to have. Um, but <laughs> on the whole, I have enjoyed this quite a bit. And it seems, it seems like... I've had a lot, it feel, It certainly feels like I personally have had a lot more room to play off-meta stuff that we're talking mm-hmm. about, whereas against the Dark Lane meta, I felt very restricted. Um, so yeah, it's been fun so far. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I feel like, I guess, instead of playing like only two decks, which, right? I think previously it was like Rena Priest and Dark Lane Warlock. At least now I can play like seven or eight decks, if not more. Um, I think talking about tiers is like super like unproductive but i feel like there's definitely eight to ten decks that are super viable right now that while they might not be the best deck in the format 
they're definitely viable. Like, whenever I want to play ladder, I can choose any of these 10 decks and be, like, super successful, mm-hmm. like, in top 150, top 100 legends. So, um, I don't know. I don't know about you, but, like, I feel like when I'm personally evaluating whether I enjoy metagame, I think there's, like, two main factors that come to mind. Um, so, first of all, like, how does the meta feel to play against? Right? Are the, are, am I pigeonholed into just one or two decks? Or do I have a variety of decks that I can pick and choose from and be successful? And like a variety of archetypes within that, right? Not not just aggro or combo, but I can play whatever I want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, this one might be a little bit more controversial, but my, my second kind of factor is, does the meta feel like the best players are winning more often? Right? Does it feel like... Yeah. The skill player, the more skill player, will be a higher rank at the end of the day, um, and that kind of lends itself, I guess, to is the meta skill intensive, right? Or is it just kind of like high roll nonsense when it came to dark, darkest hour, right? And which is how I felt about that meta game, which is why I didn't enjoy it. Um, and I know this is kind of maybe we need to define what skill intensive means, right? If I'm saying like whether I enjoy a meta game or not, but I mean, what is skill intensive to you? It's a pretty loaded question. Right, and I don't think this answer is gonna please everybody out there. But yeah, um, skill intensive to me is just like, does a deck's like, does a deck get better with better players, as mm-hmm. in higher ranks and higher skilled players, um, and does a deck get better with more player experience? Right. So like, if I put uh, ten games into a deck, how does that look compared to the average deck that I have ten games into? How does it look after a hundred games? Um, and like, how does this work for the entire population? So that's generally how I evaluate it. Um, now, there's a lot, like skill skill cap is a very complicated and often a very I, subjective. Yeah, I feel like um, skill cap topic. is different than skill intensive, though, right? I feel like yeah, um, yeah, like like what you were saying, where you decided that you felt like the dark glare meta was very high rolly and stuff. Yet previously dark, had well, talked about the dark, dark not dark glare, darkest hour, play. darkest oh, hour. Oh, darkest hour. Sorry, sorry. sorry. So. What I was about to say though with dark dark glare was that even if you did feel like. Um, Hey, if I draw my Dark Lair and my Giants and I pop off, um, then I just win. Like the floor, like it doesn't really matter, like the decisions in terms of that. But you can, at the same time, you can say, but the deck is still kind of a little bit tricky to play in terms of making the exact correct decision at every point. And there's a lot of cards being played and stuff like that. Um, And so that's kind of an interesting topic between floor and skill cap, like the, the cap and the floor. So it's kind of differences there as well. Yeah, so I think when we talk about skill floor, I think it's talking about like the level of skill required to pilot the deck and win a game, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's just like the general definition of that. Whereas this is the baseline, the yeah. baseline where skill ceiling is like okay, while this deck might have a super low skill floor, right? Anybody can win, right? And anybody can pull off the snip snap combo when they have the perfect hand, right? Back when snip snap warlock was a deck, but very few people. Like the best snip snap warlock players out there, one because of the the way that they were able to pilot like the worst hands, right? Yeah, or, they navigated the aggro matchups in particular really, really well for the most part. Yeah, and so while snip snap warlock might have, by definition, had a really low skill floor, I think it maybe had one of the highest skill ceilings of, of decks mm-hmm. that we have seen in wild at least. Um, and so I think both of those kind of factor into the skill intensive aspect of a metagame where mm-hmm. yeah when i get high rolled at bronze 10 by somebody who i think very obviously without even seeing their hand has made a couple mistakes can be pretty frustrating but i think there's a difference between okay well i mean i would do the same thing right but also i can probably pilot that deck better 
than the average Joe because I understand the, the intricacies and I can take advantage of that higher skill ceiling than the other player, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, but... Um, just on skill cap in general, like, it, to me, it's a, it's a super interesting topic, I think, yeah. um, just because, uh, like, there's so many different ways to sort of tackle it. And something that I will say as well is that um, player experience with a deck generally trumps everything. Like, the, the decks Comfort are level, generally yeah. so close. Yeah, like, the decks are generally so close, um, like, in terms of, like, how, like, their, their total, like, average win rate, right? Like, it's usually just a couple percentage points. Um, and if someone like, you know, a, a famous one, like Fibonacci, the Control Warrior main who has played Control Warrior for like six years. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, he's going to have a high win rate with Control Warrior than almost every other archetype because he's really, really, really good at it. Um, and so there's always like room uh, for someone to kind of get better at an individual deck. And, you know, people often like meme about Hearthstone in terms of ran- art random and skill and stuff. But there's a reason the best players tend to win a lot more than others over the long run. Um, because there are constantly meaningful decisions. Um, and so that's the thing I'll say on the individual jet deck. Um, something else that I would talk about is sometimes people, when talking about skill cap, uh, people tend to, I think, misunderstand which decks are the highest skill cap. Mm-hmm. Um, often, often the decks that, for me, what I've typically seen, um, the, the highest skill cap decks are the ones that are very flexible, that have pieces that can be used either aggressively, defensively, that takes like very different play patterns. Um, that the more the more times you think, wait, what's the right play here? Wait, 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 what should I hang on? Uh, there's two viable lines, there's three viable lines. Like what what's the right decision? The more often that happens and the more like flexible a deck can be in a certain matchup and stuff, those tend to be the hardest decks. Um, which I think I think like uh, there's a bias towards control decks typically, mm, but yeah. I think some of the most the most skill intensive decks are actually the very fast kind of uh, flexible combo decks, like decks like Snip Slack, Snip Snap, decks like Inner Fire Priest, um, yeah. decks like uh, even like something like Quest Rogue could use pieces very differently depending on the matchup um, in how you complete the quest. So yeah, it's an interesting topic to me uh, as a whole and how the player perception can often be a little bit different than the reality of it. I mean, it's, I, th- I think that's a good segue to a couple points that I kind of want to make. Uh, you talked a lot about this bias towards control decks being super skill intensive, mm-hmm. uh, and I just kind of I want to talk a little bit about this myth that aggro decks are brain dead, aggro decks are not skillful, they don't require skill to play. You just drag stuff face, and I like heavily disagree with this fact. And every time I see it in a Twitch chat or a YouTube comment, I like cringe a little bit because I feel like. For me, aggro decks, because you make less decisions on average than a control matchup, right? Let's say I'm comparing Rena Priest to Even Shaman. Because aggro decks, on average, maybe Even Shaman's not even the right kind of comparison, but you make less decisions, and so therefore each one of your decisions matters more, right? And so, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, when the last Wild Open happened, um, F's in the chat for the Wild Open, rip, but... <laughs> I, I played a ton of Even Shaman that one month that we were trying to qualify for the Wild Open. I played close to 300, 400 games on one deck of Even Shaman. And even something that seems super simple, right? There are so many intricate decision lines where it's like aggro decks are not brain dead. And I, there's a lot more decision points and nuance to aggressive decks than I think most people give them credit for. Yeah. And I think it's even less about 
aggro versus control. Um, it's more about the type of aggro deck, the type of control deck. There, yeah. there are aggro decks that are hard. There are aggro decks that are easy. There are control decks that are hard. There are control yeah. decks that are easy. Um, and so it really just depends. And no matter what you're playing, right, as Hearthstone for the most part, um, there are going to be at least meaningful decisions. People are going to make mistakes. Uh, and so, you know, nobody plays perfectly all the time. So no matter what you're playing and stuff. Um, but yeah, skill cap, as you said, uh, you know, like there can be mis um, misunderstandings on that stuff. And I, I still remember you playing Even Shaman in that wild open month where you, <laughs> I like, I remember you thinking that it was going to be like uh, kind of easy because Even Shaman had that rep. And yeah. I remember you talking about the, how, you felt like hang on there's kind of a little bit more to it which made you frustrated because sometimes you just get giga high rolled yeah. um <laughs> but yeah I, I feel like there's this misconception another one i want to kind of touch on is this every time a meta report comes out right whether it's uh vs or it's tempo storm or it's the wild side every time a meta report comes out i feel like we get a little bit of argument about okay, well, this deck should be in this tier. And while I don't want to argue about, like, tier list or anything like that, uh, there's this common argument that decks are, like, they show up with a lower win percentage because they're more skill-intensive, right? And maybe maybe that's true for, like, brand-new archetypes that people, like, don't know how to play. Because I think Snip's not, like, the very first meta report that it came out for, uh, um, that it was on the VS report, rather. I think it was, like, tier 2. And then like, uh, that was sorry, just to jump in. That was mostly because of the build, not because yeah. the the yeah the, the the final refined build was actually always like the best deck in yeah. the VS report. Sorry, but yeah. No, but it's like stuff like that where they show up lower, and then people say it's because they're more skill intensive to say it. Well, like I think uh, Renalock is a good example of that on the on the VS reports, where it's like I think it's been like a tier three, tier four deck for like the past three years, <laughs> mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, it's because Renalock's hard to play. Like, of course, it's gonna show up as like. Like poor on the on the meta reports and i don't know how do you how do you respond to that yeah um i think players in general like i'm talking about how decision making matters a lot and it does um the thing is like the the influence that people have to flip matchups isn't as strong as people would like to think um like bad matchups are bad matchups like and i say this as someone who you know like i acknowledge all the time when i make mistakes i acknowledge that i'm not nearly as good as the best players um typically though like if you take two good players and then you like you look at the matchup oh it's like unfavored you take two very very good players it's very rare that matchups flip and it's very rare that there's like very very significant changes in the average win percentage regardless of the uh the rank bracket that you're looking at yeah. um if, if a deck changes in performance in matchups by just a couple percentage points that's a really big deal yeah and so often when decks go from like um, they're they're evaluated as like tier four, and it's like no, it's actually like tier one. You just have to you just have to be a big brain like me. Um, <laughs> that that was like it's a, it's a double thing, right? It's 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 a winning argument for two reasons. One, um, my opinion is right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Two, true. I'm smart, you're dumb, and that's why like it's it's not it's because yeah. all the plebs on ladder don't know how to play it, um, and that's kind of my my issue. I think sometimes when people have problems with the uh, data driven stuff, uh, you know, I. I tend to value that stuff a lot. I know some people don't, but um, there's a lot to be gleaned uh, from that kind of information, in my opinion. Even stuff on HS Replay. I know people rag on HS Replay as wild, but I think it's a super valuable resource um, a lot of the time, even if you don't take it as complete gospel. Yeah, I think taking out the bias of one select person or like five or 10 select people and looking at, okay, well, this is a sample size of 10,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's more representative of a power level or 
the skill level yeah. of the deck, maybe. And it, it's like you said about, like, sorry, it's like I said about Fibonacci, right? Like, an individual can definitely have mm. more success with the deck over another because they're more experienced with it. But we're talking about, like, average for the, you know, population at a specific rank or something. Yeah. Um, and so let's kind of kind of tie this back to our metagame. And so we're talking about a lot of skill. What decks would you say have been the most skill-intensive, in in your opinion? I think we've talked a little bit about Snip Snap Warlock. Um, I think Pre-Nerf Quest Mage, I think, as much as I hated that deck, I think was actually very much more skill-intensive than people gave it credit for. I think the best mm -hmm. players, like I think you and Jack, uh, were so goddamn good with the deck, and when you didn't have Sword Flame Waker, you were still winning a ton of your games, right? <laughs> so, I mean, other than those two, what other decks do you think have been super skill-intensive? Maybe Patron Warrior, back in Standard? Uh, yeah, I wasn't really around in the days of Patron oh. Warrior. So I think you would have loved that deck. Yeah, me too. I think I would have liked it a lot. <laughs> um, Ungoro Freeze Mage is a famous one. Um, yeah, okay. That had uh, typically had a very high skill cap. Um, let's see, something... A Miracle Rogue recently in Standard uh, had a very high skill cap, I believe. Um, Cyclone Mage, currently in Standard, has a high skill cap. Um, like I said, it, you're generally noticing a pattern of the types of decks <laughs> that I'm talking about. Um, and it is interesting. Like I said, uh, skill cap is something that's measurable and something that leaks into often the standard VS reports. If you guys are ever interested in that, um, you can often read discussion. And, and Zacho uh, has talked about this kind of stuff uh, previously about like which decks um, are the most skill intensive and stuff like that. Yeah, but let's wrap it back to wild, right? So what decks in the current metagame? Yeah. We talked a little bit about it at the very beginning of the segment. It feels like forever ago, right? Um, mm, sorry. No, you're <laughs> yes. fine. You're fine. Uh, what decks though do you think in the current metagame, would you say are skill intensive or at least like you know, high skill ceiling? Um, I think LPG Arena Mage seems like mm -hmm. a deck that with the, with the Pilgrim package seems pretty relevant. Uh, I think Quest Mage is always one that uh, players typically will perform better with as well. And I think it's more of an off meta thing. I'm always partial to Inner Fire Priest as an answer. I've been playing Inner Fire Priest a bit. It's got nectar a little bit. Um, and yeah, I think that deck is always interesting in how you use your, your pieces and stuff and how you could set up a win condition. So yeah, I'd say those three off the top of my head. Let's be super controversial. Two decks, Rena Priest, skill intensive, yay or nay? No, I would say, I would say Rena Priest is below average in terms of skill cap right now. You know, taking shots at the people. And Turtle Mage, <laughs> I think a lot of people have been throwing that around recently. Um... My thoughts on Turtle Mage? I, I think Turtle well, Mage is like hard skill to... Skill level Turtle Mage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think Turtle Mage... Um, I think it's tricky for new players to pick up. But I think like once you get it, you get it. But uh, yeah, I'd say for the first like... I don't know, X amount of games. I don't know what the number is. But um, until you get used to like the hand size and managing the order of play, then it can be a little bit tough. But yeah, and I, I think even surviving the early game is a little difficult as well. So yeah, I'd say Turtle Mage is definitely above average in the current meta. Cool. All right, so we talked a little bit about like... Skill, kind of went a little bit off topic talking about skill ceiling and stuff <laughs> like that but I, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation uh kind of just happened <laughs> but uh but yeah let us know your thoughts uh, on what you think are the most skill intensive decks or the whether you, your favorite deck is skill intensive or not uh but yeah we will move on to part two all right so here's where we usually talk about wild news or controversial topics uh and a little bit like last week there's a lack of news. <laughs> um, still no news on the, the brand new game mode. It's taken forever. Sad. Mm. Um, and so just like we did last week, I think in this section, we're going to you know answer a couple of questions from you guys, from the YouTube comments or our discords related to Hearthstone or not. And so if you have a question, 
uh, that you would like answered in future episodes, make sure you guys join the discords or leave a comment down below the video uh, and maybe maybe we'll answer it. And so uh, this week's question actually comes from uh, Ark Young from my Discord. Uh, what's your favorite set from a flavor standpoint? So regardless of power level, right, or what your favorite cards were, what was your favorite set flavor-wise? Uh, there are two that jump out. The first being uh, Frozen Throne. I, I love that expansion when it came out. Um, well, not the playing, but yes, like you said, the flavor. <laughs> um yeah when that when that expansion came out it was very very cool uh, as someone who never i like i'm not that familiar with like the wow uh mm-hmm. lore and stuff yeah um and i think it did a really really fun job of conveying all that and all the characters were really sick and uh the whole death knight idea and stuff was super fun i mean game of thrones was kind of at its peak of its powers at that <laughs> point as well um so as a pop culture thing the whole like walking dead and bringing back the you know so and so spoilers um <laughs> but with all that stuff i thought it was really really fun uh, the second one is actually scholomance um mm, yeah. a huge harry potter fan it's a recent set but dude i love this set like it's so sick i love it it's yeah so you, fun. you stole one of my answers i was gonna skate i was gonna give two as well scholomance academy has been yeah. like regardless of whether you like the cards or the decks or anything like that like Blizzard knocked it out of the freaking park with this expansion when it comes to flavor. I, I think this expansion might be the best of they might be the best they've had like I legit yeah. think this is I, I absolutely yeah. love this expansion. It's been a blast and the flavor like yeah. like you mentioned. I was a huge Harry Potter fan growing up as well and so like this this whole back to school sort of like Hearthstone Harry Potter crossover has been amazing. Um and then my other one would be actually Unguro, Journey to Unguro. Um yeah. cuz that was like the first time we saw Quest and like Elementals and everything. And Ben Bird rapping. Ben Bird rap is like the best. Oh god, I still listen to that every once in a while. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think those are my two favorite. I absolutely loved. Honestly, I think Blizzard doesn't get enough recognition for like flavor and art and flavor text and all that other kind of crap when it comes to expansions because people focus on the cards. But mm-hmm. I, I, I play other card games and like nothing compares to what Blizzard does with their expansions. It's actually just freaking amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for the question, Ark Young. Yeah, and yeah, you guys, let us know what's your favorite flavor is okay ignore the cards talking about flavor um but with that we will move on to part three yeah so part three is where we talk about our decks of the week uh so recently we've kind of gone off meta uh in in past expansions when we're talking about our decks of the week so today what we have for you are two sort of meta decks so decks that i think you could fairly not easily but confidently climb ladder uh, once you get to know them, and then one off meta, or I, maybe we should label it less popular after our conversation mm. today, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the first one we're going to talk about today is Discard Warlock. So this is a deck that I piloted to top twenty-five legend on the America server, and so <clears throat> basically when this deck was at its peak prior to School of Mids Academy, like Discard Warlock was like a tier one deck finally. Um, and it was experimenting with Dark Lair, right, as a potential inclusion. Mm-hmm. And after the nerf to Dark Lair, while the combo version of the deck was kind of dead, I essentially saw the deck and was like, okay, this is a second and third copy of Canrathed, right? It's another mech warper for my Flame Imps and my Cobalt Librarians. And then after realizing how broken Ray's Dead is, you get to just shove that in here as well. And it's just like a little baby Innervate. Um, and it's been really, really clean. Uh, I was experimenting a little bit with Flesh Giants, but those are a little bit clunky since you don't yeah. really have all the self-damage effects 
um, that you did in Dark Lair, but I think this list is very clean. It's very, very powerful, and we were talking a little bit about it earlier. Um, definitely a competitor for like a tier one deck in the metagame. Yeah, um, I was playing basically the same list. I think I just had uh, Fist uh, over the Fellstalkers. Um, but yeah, basically, the list looks really good, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, yeah, like you said, the, the Flesh Giants, um, I tried that as well, and I, I didn't love them. I, they felt a little bit clunky and kind of a little bit forced. Um, so yeah, this deck, this feels super, super clean. I, I mean, it's strong as hell, and yeah. Yeah, low-key, I think a lot of people talk about Voidwalkers as maybe a flex spot, but I'm like really confident that it's not i think it's one of your best cards in the aggressive mirror matches i think it's so good you guys shouldn't be cutting mm -hmm. them uh like you mentioned i think you cut fell stalkers for fist um which might be good uh i, I haven't experimented much with fist but i feel like fell stalker is like your only real flex spot mm -hmm. when it when it comes to discard warlock but yeah this this deck is really nutty uh yeah. raise that is insane <laughs> hand yeah, is insane. I, I think I think if you just want like a you want that quick climb to legend, I think this is like the new the new go to. Yeah, no more pirate warrior. Just run the second instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's discard warlock. Short, simple, easy to go, uh, easy to climb with as well. Hopefully, um, and not too complicated to play. So let's go ahead and move on to our second list. Uh, Corbett, you want to take it away with your turtle mage? Oh, I absolutely do. Um, <laughs> turtle mage. Um, Dude, this deck will get you more friend requests than you know what to do with. Um, I love, I have loved playing Turtle Mage. Um, and I think it's just because it's been like fresh. It's been kind of a little bit different. Um, it's you know, new. It's, a, it's a new, it's a new archetype, right? And you don't always get that in Wild. So I kind of like pounce on them when I get the chance. Um, okay, so Turtle Mage. Uh, should we go through the combo, like how it works, or yeah. what do you think? For those of you guys that don't okay. know it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the way the way Turtle Mage works, um, you play. Uh, Pilgrim, your eight mana guy, and you select often. You often select uh, Potion of Illusion to get a one mana copy back in your hand. Yep. Okay. So next turn, you play your one mana copy, Potion, get another one. You play it again, and you get two more copies. And so you just kind of keep on looping these, and you can kind of weave in uh, some other one copy minions, right? So I can Cloud Prince opponent for six damage, add a one copy, one mana copy uh, back to my hand, and just go face again for six. And you can kind of do these little loops. Um, the kind of just lock out the opponent. Yeah. Uh, you don't always have to pick Potion of Illusion, right? Because you're adding multiple copies to your hand. So you can add, um, so you can play Frost Nova with your Pilgrim. You can play Ice Block again with your Pilgrim. So you can you can have basically an infinite supply of Ice Blocks until you draw them all. Um, so yes, this this deck is uh, once it gets its, once it kind of gets its claws into the end game, it's basically really impossible to stop it's very uninteractive um so that's <laughs> a it's a great finisher for like decks that kind of don't pressure it enough um and now with this particular build it looks a lot different than what you might have seen on ladder um it's it's running a very different set of cards compared to um uh compared to things like doomsayer and depth charge which are more mm -hmm. popular uh it's a lot more close to a lot more closer to the standard build which is much more tempo focused so things like firebrand one thief um <laughs> the like the uh what's it called one maker um you're paying a whole bunch of cheap stuff stuff to fight for board um in the early game and then yeah you're just trying to like basically playing mid-range mage until you get to your end game and you win on turn eight so that's it yeah this deck reminded me a lot of like shutterwalk shaman back in standard yeah. because shutterwalk shaman mm -hmm. didn't have dirty rat in that metagame right so there was no way to disrupt it once they like started 
chaining the Shadowhawks, you were like done for. There's no way you could interrupt it, and that's kind of how this deck feels. Um, yeah. Except this deck feels a lot more degenerate because you have Ice Block, right? Like, you can't <laughs> kill him like you could kill Shadowhawk, uh, Shaolin. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've, I've played a little bit about uh, of this deck. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about like you play a much different early game than I think the like Concerned Mom list that we featured a couple episodes ago, right? That was all about. Mm-hmm. All right, we're playing Freeze Mage, and then instead of killing you with Fireballs, we're killing you with Pilgrims and Meteorologists, right? Yeah. Um, so, speaking of Meteorologists, like, is there a specific reason that you're running Cloud Princess over Meteorologists? Because I know Meteorologists, um, I think, can be a lot more damage uh, and can be a board clear as well, right? Do you have a preference? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Meteorologist is just, like, so much clunkier um, on the mm-hmm. non-combo turns. Um, it... Um, often, often with this kind of list, you're only having maybe like four to five cards in hand around turn six. So it's kind of unplayable, right? Six mana, three, three deal, like a couple pings to everything. That's really shitty. Um, compared to something like cloud prince, which is, you know, you, you, you guys have played enough secret mage, you know, how annoying cloud prince can be. Uh, it's very, very high tempo. Um, and so that's kind of this fits into what the rest of the list is, right? It's all, it's all tempo. It's all fighting for board. Um, I think players in general in wild. Uh, my personal preference is almost always to look for tempo-like plays, actually be active in mm-hmm. fighting for board control, be aggressive and stuff like that, even if you are playing a slower archetype. Um, and this has been true for Priestless like in the past where I've often wanted the Dragon Package, it felt like, or I just want more early game early game, um, or stuff like that. So yeah, it's a real, real pattern. Um, and just trying to like once you because once you get to your combo right you're winning it doesn't matter if you have cloud prince or not you once you get there you're fine so it's all about really survival and uh forcing the opponent to be a little bit more reactive i think a list like this for example is going to have a really nice time against something like uh i think quest mage and really denying chip damage is a big deal in that matchup for example yeah, yeah so this deck it, it's i think it's very fun to play because it's brand new but I feel like if this invades ladder, I'm going to be very, very, <laughs> very, very sad because yeah, standard standard players are already demanding nerfs. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's at that point in wild, but it, it can be like if you if you're in a like any sort of slow deck and you can't kill them or disrupt their combo, then like you have no chance at winning, right? Uh, like if you're arena priest and you haven't killed them on turn eight, turn nine, you're probably losing the game, right? It's mm-hmm. it's kind of frustrating, but I will say it being a brand new deck, it's super. It's a very unique play pattern, I think, compared to a lot of other things we've had in Wild. Like maybe Shadowwalk Shaman back, like in the very beginning days of Wild when it was running like Corpse Taker and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very unique deck, and I'm first of all like I'm kind of excited because it's new, but also I'm also very very scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so now moving on to our third deck of the list, I want to preface this this deck by. Uh, you know, playing you a little bit of footage from a couple episodes ago when Corbett said that Totem Goliath, Totem Daddy, probably still won't see play and won't be good. Yeah, I think this is... Um, <laughs> I, I think, like, the fact that it's a death rattle means it's just so slow. So for Wild, I I don't think this would see play maybe at full mana. Okay. Mm, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> um, and so he said this. Yes, he said this. And now has proceeded... I think him and I have both messed around with versions of this list. Um, Totem Shaman, like not even Shaman, Totem Shaman with Totem Goliath, Totem Daddy being one of the best cards in that deck. <laughs> and so uh, I've been playing a little bit more of a, like I, I'm not running the Amalgam stuff, which is yes, it's a Totem. I got I got Hunger Crabbed from a Zeph once on my Nightmare Amalgam and I cut it from the list. 
Um, so I'm running a, a little bit of a different package. Um, but yeah, you want to walk people through this and kind of like, what does this deck do differently than even Shaman? Um, this deck can, like, what does it do differently? So <laughs> it really can, it gets to access to some really, really powerful cards, right? Like it has Bloodlust. Um, even Shaman would give up everything it has for a copy of Bloodlust, I think. That costs um, it, it can, <laughs> it can play, uh, you know, Totemic Reflection, right? Like a bonkers card with something like Totem Golem. Um, and you have, you know, like other, other really efficient cards like Storm's Wraith or even the Pirate Package or, you know, even Tunnel Trog. Um, so you get these really cool stuff, right? And then you, you know, Totem Goliath is kind of an important one. Um, <laughs> where you're playing, like, it's a, it's a similar flavor to even Shaman, right? Like, it feels, you know, there's, you, you, in both decks you're developing Totems, but you do get access to a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Um, and yeah, like, the, the Polk Elk is... I think one of the more interesting inclusions, and I think it's really, really sick in this list. Um, Polk out just keeps finding ways to sneak into archetypes. Um, but yeah, I think Totem Shaman is something that's kind of been um, kind of like bubbling at the surface, right? Like it has had some really interesting and powerful cards. Like Totemic Reflection is busted. Man. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, with things like Tour Guide, I think it's like just picked up a little bit with a point now where it, this felt okay like i played this on ladder for a little bit and i felt pretty okay into this um with this as long as you weren't you know queuing into reno priest yeah i was about to say i went seven and five with a similar list in top 100 legends so like the deck is like it's legit it's competitive right? like, this, yeah this is not a meme this is a competitive deck um do i think it's better than like even shaman or odd shaman no but it also is like a completely different deck that probably still has a ton of refinement that needs to happen um but it's a, it's a ton of fun to play, right? We were talking about Turtle Mage being kind of a fun deck because it's like a brand new archetype. This is like a deck that, I mean, while we've had shades of like the to Totem Package in Even Shaman, I think this is this plays a lot differently than Even Shaman, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you could still do the stupid like splitting axe, Totemic Search, Totemic Might stuff, but it's still... It's a really fun deck to play as well, I think, which is maybe it, more important. It felt it felt to me like kind of a, a cross between like Even Shaman and Aggro Druid. I don't know about that comparison, mm. but it's kind of like a midpoint. You in, need the board, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it feels a lot more like the old, um, you know, the old standard uh, Token Shaman. Some of you guys might remember that as far back as Angoro. Uh, that was a really good deck, <laughs> like back, back in the day. So, yeah, I don't know. It's been refreshing, I think. It's been a lot of fun to play. So we definitely checked... Uh, been a ton of fun to play so we highly recommend you guys check this out um this is the less popular version that um I, whatever it's the off meta deck that we've been playing for this uh, at least this week um and i'll put my version down in the uh, in the description if you guys want to check out my version i'm running a little bit more of a meme version running uh trick totems as well because it's me and i have to <laughs> even though they're probably almost definitely not good um but yeah totem shaman it, it's been a ton of fun to play all right, so that's going to be it for us today, though, guys. Uh, we'll be doing these episodes every Sunday uh, with news and decks every week. And just a reminder that we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all these podcast listening services out there. So if you guys want to listen to us on the go, make sure you guys check us out there. Uh, and Corbett, thank you again for joining me. Let the people know where they can find you. Uh, guys, you can find me at Corbett Games on uh, Twitch, Twitter, and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, streaming, streaming pretty much every day. So yeah, feel free to swing by and stuff. It's fun guys i think i may or may not have convinced him to upload another youtube video instead of waiting like two months between them so make sure you guys check out his youtube channel as well he's an awesome person oh, yeah, i forgot about that one yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah we appreciate you guys watching we hope you all enjoyed stay safe out there and we will see you guys next week
Later. Bye, guys.